Good morning, GYC. Good morning, GYC. There we go. It's a joy to see you all again this morning. How many of you have been blessed so far by your time at GYC? Amen. Praise God. I love to see it. Whether this is your first or your second morning with us here today, I want to give a little reminder of what we're doing in the mornings together. Our focus here is how can we have meaningful devotions for the rest of our life? How can we have this communion with God for the rest of our life? Because personally, I believe having that meaningful time with God, that communion with Him, is a cornerstone of having that abundant life that Jesus was talking about in John 10, verse 10. He said, I came to give them life and life more abundantly. And I believe having that time with God enables us to have that. Yesterday we talked about being exposed in Jesus' presence. That Jesus can handle whatever you say, however you say it. That faith is seeing him even when you can't see how he can. And that we should lean into the painful and difficult with him. This experience is healing in a supernatural way that I can't really explain to you the ins and outs of why, it just, it just is. One of my longest friends, Emily, she messaged me yesterday after I spoke and she tuned in online and she said she was blessed and I was like, praise God. And she'd been having struggles with a decision she needed to make. And she said, I could, I could see kind of where I needed to go, but I couldn't see it all the way. But what you shared yesterday, I decided, you know, I'm going to make the first step. I'm going to do the part that I know, even though I can't see the logistics. And I'm going to share with Jesus what's really on my heart. And she's like, you're right. That conversation was supernaturally healing, even though I'm not really sure where to go from here. And I pray that each of us have been able to have that experience yesterday, today, maybe tomorrow. But I pray that we would have that exposure in Jesus' presence and find it healing. In a lot of ways, yesterday was about prayer, about opening our hearts to God as to a friend. If yesterday was about prayer, today is about Bible study. Specifically, it's three paradigms we can have in approaching the Word of God. Three t- paradigms we can have in our personal time with communing with God through His Word. The title of today's message is Comforted. Comforted. Bow your heads with me, please. Father in heaven, thank you for another day of life. Thank you for bringing us here from various places. Thank you for the absolute joy it is to commune with you together this morning. Lord, I don't know what's on the hearts of my brothers and sisters here, but I pray that you would take away any distractions, things that we're worried about, things that we're preoccupied with. For now, Lord, help us just to leave them in your hands and just to hear the Holy Spirit as he tailors this message to each and every one of us. We pray this with confidence because we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Join me, if you will, in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Thank you, Bailey, for reading the scripture reading. Luke 24. When you're there, please say amen. You beat me. Okay. 
Luke chapter 24, we're going to start in verse 13. We're actually going to read the whole story, so stay with me. I'm going to try to read it in a dynamic way, but stay with me. So it's Luke 13, 24, 13 through 35. The context is Jesus has risen from the dead and nobody believes it. Some angels came and they're like, yeah, he rose. Remember when, remember when he told you he was going to die and then rise again? They're like, oh yeah, he did say that. And they're kind of saying like, oh yeah, he rose from the dead. We're not really sure. We haven't seen it. And that's where we find two of Jesus' disciples on their way to Emmaus. So let's start reading in verse 13 together. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Verse 16, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there these days? And he said to them, sorry, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that he had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Verse 25, then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things? and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Verse 28, then they drew near to the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Jesus does something similar to what he did in yesterday's story, the woman at the well. Jesus asked some innocent questions. What are you guys talking about? Why are you sad? Oh, we're talking about the things that happened in Jerusalem. What things? And they tell their version of events. Well, there was this guy, his name was Jesus of Nazareth. I know he's from Nazareth, but stay with me. And, you know, he, we thought he was going to redeem Israel, but then the chief priest, they killed him. And some people found an empty tomb and 
we just really thought he was, he was it, you know? We really thought he was the guy, but he, he died. And we're just we're really torn up about that. Jesus even says, like, what are you talking about? Why are you so sad? At this point, Jesus has a lot of options. I can think of at least three. One of them is this. Hey, it's me, Jesus. I rose from the dead. It's all fine. We're good. I mean, if you wanted to be more elaborate, he could bring back the angel display from Bethlehem, like glory to God in the highest. Like, it's Jesus. He could have, second option. The third option is the one he chose, a walking Bible study. I guess that's, it's an option. But to me, it kind of feels like an emotional letdown. Like, wouldn't it be better to be like, hey, it's me, Jesus, and you hug, and like, it's reconciliation. That just, that feels better to me. Wouldn't it have been easier, more longing, more longing, more long-lasting to just, like, be there with them? I'll leave that question for a second. We believe God is love, yes or no? Yes, okay. Now, we believe God is love, so if Jesus had two options, one was less loving, one was more loving, which one would he choose? More loving, okay, so we're on the same page, all right. So if, if God is love and God will always choose the most loving option, because he doesn't take days off, right? Like today is like a less loving day, today's a more love. like that's, that's not a thing. God always does what is the most loving 100% of the time, amen? So that means that the most loving thing Jesus could have done in that moment is given walking Bible study? Sometimes a miracle is not what you need. Truth is. Sometimes an earth-shattering experience is not what you need. Instead, you need words that were written far before you asked your question. Sometimes the most comforting thing seems mundane. It's a conversation. It's a history lesson. See, Jesus didn't dismiss their pain. Oh, get over it. It wasn't a big deal. Jesus didn't dismiss their pain. He contextualized it. He said, didn't the Christ have to suffer these things? He didn't say he didn't suffer. Like, he didn't suffer. Like, he's like, no, I was there. I suffered. That's true. But didn't this have to happen? Don't you remember everything upon which your culture is built upon, everything your faith is built. Don't you remember all those words? Sometimes the most comforting thing is scripture. And that's why Jesus wants to comfort you with his word. Jesus wants to comfort you with his word. The scriptures have a lot of different purposes, and I feel like some of them we're really good at remembering. Shaping our view and understanding of God, 100%, yes. Showing us the plan of salvation, absolutely. Shaping our view of eternity and the future and what happens when you die and what Jesus is doing right now, 100%. But many of us, when, when we're sad, when we're really confused, we're like, I really thought this was going to happen, but it didn't. How many of us turn to scripture for comfort? I don't know about you, I'd rather just run from my feelings, pretend they're not there, find something to scroll on, 
It's just easier to not think about it, right? But Jesus shows in this story that sometimes the most comforting thing is the truth, is context, is his word. Sometimes far more often than we think, scripture is comforting. I wanna tell you a story. A few years ago, I had just come back from a prolonged service project in the Middle East. I'm gonna keep that vague. <laughs> I was there for a few months and it was, it was awesome. I saw miracles, people so interested in Jesus, random Bible studies in the mall, like it was, it was crazy. Wonderful, wonderful time. Except I also had this experience where I was very verbally and emotionally abused for a few months. Do not recommend. And I came back and I was grappling with that, healing from that. Um, I went to therapy for a little bit because I'm a huge fan of Jesus and therapy, amen. And there was still, but there was still something. You know, I'm working through it, but I'm like, Jesus, I just, Jesus, I want you to comfort me. I want you to undo what this person has done to my mind. I want you to speak the words of truth over me. And I know you went to heaven and like the Holy Spirit's here and like, I get that, but right here on the floor of my bedroom, I wish you would just sit here with me and comfort me. That would be really nice. I really wish you would do that. There was a book next to me that I had bought, I don't know, months, years before called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Timothy Keller. Very good book. I opened it and it centers around one passage. And if you go with me there, it's 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 4. If you're there, please say amen. You guys keep beating me. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4, this is what it says. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. I could preach a 45 minute sermon just on that text. But this is the point. Jesus spoke to me through that scripture and said, I know what she said about you, irrelevant. I know that you put that onto yourself and you accepted that. Actually, your opinion of yourself doesn't shape reality either. Her opinion does not shape reality. Your opinion does not shape reality. The only person's opinion who shapes reality is God's. And I know you're hurting. Your hurt is real, but your perception of reality is not. And I just need you to know that we're gonna work through this hurt, but first you have to remember the only person who tells you who you are is me. No matter how much confidence they have, no matter how strongly they speak, the only person who gets to say that is God himself. I saw it. I saw it. It was like those verses were written for me. For the record, they still are. You guys can read them, but they're mine. And those verses were put in the Bible for me, and I could see it. And in that moment, I felt the emotional and mental and spiritual comfort as if Jesus had sat next to me because he had. Jesus was with me. Yes, I didn't have his physical presence, but I had the comfort as if he was there. And that came through scripture. That came through me asking my questions we talked about yesterday, right? Being honest with ourselves and our needs, and Jesus is like, absolutely, I'm here. And here's how I'm going to comfort you. 
The Bible isn't just for teaching, it's for healing. The Bible isn't just for constructing your understanding of hell, it's coming to know the God who is behind that truth. The Bible isn't for you to get your little self-empowered to do for the day, it's to be comforted that all of your value, all of your abilities, all of your sufficiency is grounded in the one being who never changes. And none of those things change either. The Bible is meant to comfort you because the truth is comforting. If that makes sense, please say amen. amen. Let's go back to Luke chapter 24 together. Luke 24. And we're going to go back to kind of the end, or not the ending, the middle part where Jesus responds to their version of events. I want to zero in on one word that Jesus says. In verse 25, after again, their version of events, then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in, what's that word? In all that the prophets have spoken. You believe some, but not all. Why is that? Even when we go back earlier into the story, Let's look at verse five, same chapter. This is, there are women here looking at the tomb, gonna go um, take care of Jesus' body. He's not there. These angels talked to him, verse five. Then as they were afraid, the women there, and bowed their faces to the earth, they, the angels, said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. You believe some, but not all. Why is that? In Matthew 16, 21 through 23, Jesus tells his disciples, okay, so we're gonna go to Jerusalem. I'm gonna be betrayed into their hands. I'm gonna be crucified and then I'm going to come back. Are we clear? And Peter's like, far be it from you, Lord. That's not going to happen. And then Peter got like one of the strongest rebukes in the whole Bible. Get thee behind me, Satan. Very intense. But you know, in Matthew 10, when the 12 disciples were sent out, and Jesus is like, you're going to cleanse lepers. You're going to heal the blind. I don't see Peter being like, far be it from us, Lord. No. He's probably like, yes, let's do it. Like, we like the whole multiplying bread stuff and healing people, but like, you died. Shh, shh, don't, don't say that, Jesus. Shh, shh, please be quiet. The issue, was that they, the issue was not that they didn't believe Jesus. It's just they didn't believe Jesus all of the time. So thus, a key paradigm in communing with God in Scripture is believe all that God says. Believe all that God says. I believe the people in Jesus' day really gravitated toward, like, especially his disciples, gravitated toward the good and were like, don't talk about the bad. Jesus can heal, but like, he isn't gonna die. Jesus can forgive anyone, but he's not gonna be crucified. Jesus can create a crazy amount of bread and provide for us, but he's definitely, he's gonna kill the Romans, right? Any day now, please. So he didn't, they didn't like the whole thing. And that's a struggle, right? Believing the bad with the good, 100%. But there's another struggle that I think is far more common in our day. That's the opposite. We believe the bad. Ooh, do we believe it? 
but we don't believe the good. Jeremiah 17.9 says, our heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Yeah, Ezekiel 36.26 says that God gives us a new heart. It's also in the Old Testament. Isaiah 64.6, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Our best efforts, they're terrible. Agreed. Philippians 3.9 says that we are covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. So it doesn't really matter because you're not covered by yourself anyways. When you surrender to Jesus, you're covered. Not by your filthy rags, but by Jesus' righteousness. We believe that our good actions do not make God love us, right? Can't work your way to heaven. Of course, filthy rags, remember? 100%. Also, our bad actions don't make God hate us. Our habitual bad actions, our on-purpose bad actions, our it's-been-years bad actions, God isn't like, man, I cannot stand this tile of mine. Your bad actions and your good actions have no bearing, 0% bearing on God's love for you. No matter how much you feel it, no matter how, but I feel it, your feelings are irrelevant. They matter, but they're irrelevant here in shaping what reality is. Galatians 6.3, self-proclaimed importance means nothing. Absolutely. You know what other verse says nothing? There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8. Sin is bad. Yes, it is. Don't sin. (laughs) Yes, we should walk. Yes. But you know if you do sin, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Notice what it doesn't say. If you grovel in God's presence for 30 days straight, then he'll, conf- then he'll forgive you. If you feel bad about it for years, then God will forgive you. If you tell enough people and have enough accountability partners, then God will forgive you. It says if we confess, that's all it says. That's the end of our part of that verse. The rest of it is God. I'm not, this isn't, this is the Bible. I didn't say that. I mean, I would probably make more requirements because that's who I am naturally as a person. But Jesus made it really, really simple. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why don't we believe that verse? We're like, it just sounds too easy. Well, it's because Jesus did the hard part. Revelation 3.17. We are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Without Jesus, 100%. Absolutely. You know what verse 18 says? That Jesus wants to give you gold to make you rich. That he wants to cover you in white raiment. That he wants to give you eye salve so that you can see. Then you know what verse 19 says? He whom he loves, he chastens and rebukes. Don't focus on the chasten, yeah, but we're just like, yeah, chastens and rebukes. Do you notice what he just said though? He said, he whom he loves. Jesus loves you. That's why he's telling you these things. It's not like, man, I can't stand this person. I can't wait to be, no. (laughs) Jesus is like, I just need you to know so that I can take care of it. You know what verse 20 says? Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. I just want to come in and dine with you. The purpose of Revelation 3 is not to beat yourself. It's to acknowledge it. It's to see it and believe it. All of it. Not just the verse that resonates with our self-condemnation. Not just the verse that's like, well, this keeps me humble. What keeps you humble is seeing what God did for you and being like, I can't do any of that. God's like, you're right. You're right. 
When reading scripture, don't just gravitate to the things that confirm what you already think and feel and believe. Believe all of it. Believe all the parts. The parts you're like, I don't get that. Don't run away from it, study it. Ask people, pray about it, figure it out. Ask God, am I seeing this clearly? Am I believing all that you say? When you commune with God in scripture, believe all that what he says. If you can see that, please say amen. Amen. Last point. Let's go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. When you're there, please say amen. All right, I'm catching up with the seven of you. John 16. This is part of the most read chapters in the Bible. Read, get it? Sorry, I got that from my husband. Anyways, John chapter 16. So Jesus is laying out a lot for his disciples at this point. I mean, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of red words here. Jesus is explaining a lot of things. He's reiterating things that he said before. He's bringing in some new stuff. He's really, it's like very concentrated truth. Like, I'm just talking to you guys. There's no chief priests around. There's no other people. Just listen, okay? I need to like download these things in your mind. And even in verse 12, it says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot yet bear them. It's like, I I had more, but this is is where we got to stick. Let's zero in on a few verses here together. So chapter 16, let's start in verse five. Jesus is speaking and he says, but now I go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your what? It is to your advantage that I go away For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Let's skip down to verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Jesus said that it was to their advantage that he leave. And I just have to remember that God is loving and God does the most loving. Because if I was one of the disciples, I'd be like, what? You're leaving? I know you've said it for like the past years, but what? (laughs) You're leaving? Also in verse 12, he says, I have many things yet to say to you, but you cannot yet bear them. I'd be like, it's okay, Jesus, I can take notes. I'll read it later. Please, just, just tell me right now, please. But Jesus wasn't scared about this. Jesus wasn't freaked out. He was telling, these, telling the disciples these things and he could hold things back with peace in his heart because he knew the Holy Spirit will figure out the rest with you. The Holy Spirit will tell you the rest. This is not the last time that you and I are gonna be able to commune. This is not the last opportunity for me to get truth into your mind. It's like when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. He knows what I said, he knows, he knows everything, so we're good. So Jesus had peace, and I think he had peace because with the Bible and the Holy Spirit, God can teach you anything. With the Bible and the Holy Spirit, God can teach you anything. 
Early in my Christian experience, I thought certain people had a monopoly on understanding scripture. I'm not really sure where that came from, but it was definitely in there. I remember people like would preach and I couldn't really get how they got that point out of that verse. And so I'm like, maybe I'm just not holy enough. Yeah, praise God, I don't know what you're saying. Okay, all right. It was when Israel Ramos came to my high school. Hi, Israel. And he spoke for a week of prayer and he was expounding the scriptures. And I remember thinking to myself, I see where he got that. That actually makes sense. I really see how we got that out of scripture. You know, I think maybe I could do that. Maybe God could teach me to do that. I mean, it looked, it was pretty clear. It seemed pretty straightforward. So maybe, maybe I could do that. GYC speakers, myself included, breakout room leaders, pastors, parents, youth, leaders, mentors, all great. Highly recommend having them in your life. But you know what they're not? Necessary in order for you to understand what God is saying in the Bible. With the Bible and the Holy Spirit, God can teach you anything. All those people, me, everybody, we're all extra, I feel weird calling myself a blessing. Everyone else is an extra (laughs) glorious blessing. But you have a direct line to the throne room of God prayer, Bible study, otherwise. You have direct access to truth. You don't have to go through Mark Finley. You don't have to go through me. You don't have to go through Sebastian Braxton. You don't have to go through your pastor. You don't have to go through your parents. You don't have to go through that person, but they really understand the Greek and Hebrew. I'm happy for them. You don't need that. You can get direct access to the truth with just the Holy Spirit. But this part makes us uncomfortable sometimes. We're like, yeah, with the Holy Spirit, but I don't have the Holy Spirit. Well, this is one of those verses where we believe part of it. Luke eleven thirteen says that God is more willing to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask than parents are to give good gifts to their children. We're like, yeah, he's willing, but like, I don't think he did. Romans 5, 5 says the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Past tense. So the Holy, having the Holy Spirit in our lives isn't something like, yeah, one day. If you surrender to Jesus Christ, you're like, Jesus, yes, you're my Lord and Savior. Jesus is like, awesome, Holy Spirit. That's literally what happens. So you have the Bible. I see it. It's okay if it's whatever form it comes in. It's still the Bible. And you have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you have everything that you need. So don't allow this feeling of, but I just, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But what if I misinterpret the Bible? I, yeah, to be perfectly honest, I don't want any of you guys to hear my first three sermons. But Jesus, Jesus was there, and I think Jesus blessed, and hopefully those people are not theologically confused. You know, I hope so. The point is, I learned through that experience, and there are things today that I'm like, oh, I see this way clearer than I did a while ago. And that's why we grow together. That's why I'm, this is, sorry, this is a side tangent. This is why I'm really against the over-elevation of speakers because like we're not holier than anyone. We're not better than it. We don't have access to Jesus more. We just, Jesus was just like, I want you to talk to people up front. And we're like, okay, I guess we'll do that. I think it was Sebastian who said to me, he's like, I think God calls the weakest people to be preachers because we have to be like, okay, you don't study very well by yourself. So I'm gonna make you study so you can tell other people. And we're like, Good point. You're right. 
So people up front are like, I need to pray for them. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do need to pray for people up front. So this isn't, nobody has a monopoly on the truth. God is like, take it all. That's why I wrote the whole Bible. I didn't give the Holy Spirit to expand. That's why I gave you Ellen White. I just want to give you like the expansion pack. Like I want you to have everything. And that is the purpose. That is the purpose. God didn't write the Bible to be like, let's see who can figure it out. This is a treasure hunt. Good luck. Jesus is like, how can I make this so clear? I'm going to explain the same thing in like every day. Like we're going to start with poetry. Then we're going to have like stories. Then we're going to have like prophecies with like weird animals and stuff. Like I'm just going to think of everything I can do to tell you who I am so that you can see my love for you. That is the purpose of the Bible. And the Holy Spirit is the one who clarifies that to our minds. So when you go from this place, I want you to enjoy your time at GYC. Please don't like come when people speak and they'll be like, Callie said I don't need you. But I mean, it's true, but like you can still come. But when you leave this place, don't think to yourself, man, too bad I no longer have access to the truth. You do, it's in your pocket. You do. Go from this place thinking, man, I cannot wait to study the Bible for myself. I cannot wait to see God's, I cannot wait. Go from GYC with that. If you can see that, please say amen. amen. Wrapping up now, I just want to remind us where we've come from. So what have we talked about this morning? Number one, take comfort in God's word and know that the truth can soothe the soul. Take comfort in all of what God has said and believe it all. Take comfort in God's promises and that he can teach you anything at any time. I have another personal application. Yesterday was about being exposed in Jesus' presence and I encourage you to do that yesterday and today and I encourage you to do that the rest of your life. This isn't a streak thing. Oh, we gotta do 10 days in a row. This is just the rest of your life thing. This is just what you do for the rest of your life. You spend this time with God every day. So today I want you to focus on allowing God to speak to you through his word. You can choose any passage of scripture, any of them. God wrote all of them, so they're all inspired, so they're all up for grabs. But if you're like me and you're like, but the Bible's so big. I don't know where to start. Okay, here's some options for you. Luke 5, 1 through 11, personal favorite. Exodus chapter 3, Psalm 27, Romans 5, 2 Kings 5. And if you're like, thanks for the list, but that's still too many things. Okay, do the Luke one. Do the Luke one. I get overwhelmed by choices too, I understand. Choose any of those. You didn't, this is not, this is not like, Jesus didn't give me this list of like, Everyone at GYC has to, no, no, no. You can read whatever you want. These are just some ideas. But I want you to take some time to sit in Jesus' presence without distractions. If you're using your phone, that's fine. Just put it on airplane mode. We all know why. Sit there with Jesus, read it, read it over and over and say, Jesus, what are you showing me here? Why did this happen? What's going on over here? Why was that word used? Why did they say that? Why did you say that? Why did they say that? What is happening here? I feel like my slight obnoxious inquisitiveness really helps in Bible study. And just ask is like, think of 
what is it, five-year-olds, four-year-olds, who are just like, that's their only mode is questions. Like, why is the sky blue? Why is there a crane? Why is there a ceiling? Why are there lights? Why, like, be that. And just, just ask Jesus all the questions. You're not gonna get the answers to all of them, at least I haven't yet, but it's coming. <laughs> but just sit in Jesus' presence and ask him to comfort you, to soothe you, to show you, to teach you, and to abide with you. Whether you've been studying the Bible for decades or you've never read it alone before, spend that time with Jesus and his word. And remember, Jesus does not close up shop at 7.30 a.m. He's available the whole day. If you're awake, Jesus is awake. He's also awake when you're not awake, but still true what I said. So find a pocket of time today. 10 minutes, awesome. Two hours, awesome. 30 minutes, awesome. Whatever time in your head, awesome. Do that. If that's your desire, I'm gonna give you 60 seconds right now to talk to Jesus, not your friend. Talk to Jesus and be like, Lord, where should I put that pocket of time today and tomorrow? Because I will, with no clarity, usually ends up being I won't. So let's take 60 seconds, I'm literally gonna time you, and just pray and say, Jesus, where can I do that? And put that in your schedule any way you know how. Time starts now. sacrificed, but priorities, you know? Set the time, then follow through. This isn't about what other people notice. It's just about spending time with the God of the universe. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for being the God that you are. Thank you for giving us your word that you so desire to be known you so desire to teach, but also to comfort and to minister to us. You desire us to remember that we have a direct line to you. You desire us to believe all that you say. Father, I don't know what's hard for my brothers and sisters. I know the parts that are hard for me, but I thank you that you are a God of, of tailored ministering that you can help us in all our different various needs. And so Lord, I pray for those who have come who are scared to study your word. They've done it before, but it just seemed too hard. I pray for those who studied your word and they just, it just hurt for certain reasons. I pray that you would open all of our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your law. 
Lord, I pray that you would take away any preconceived notions, any ways people have used the Bible in a very ungodly way in our lives. And I pray that we would see Jesus. I pray that we would see Jesus every single day. And I pray that we would be aware that he walks with us, even when we're sad, even when we have questions, and even when we're unsure. Father, you've heard our commitments, you've heard our schedulings, you know our promises are like ropes of sand, so we're just depending on you to make this happen. We're asking that you help us to keep our appointments with you because we know that we will be blessed in our communion with you. May we rest in your comfort and may we be assured always of your unchanging love. And we offer this prayer with confidence because we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC conference, Nothing, in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take sacrificial initiative for Christ and to see Jesus finish the work in this generation. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.